Looking good. Listen, I want to take a moment. We are gathering together today across all of our campuses. So I want to take a moment and welcome our Midtown, Hamilton Mill, North Cobb online. We've got our house churches and people from Romania, Kenya, and France watching with us. Let's welcome them. Hey, we're so excited you are here with us today. You guys are in for a special treat as we are in week two of our Love Over Lust series. And uh, God has got some special things in store. And as Johnson and I began to just pray into this series, we begin to ask the Lord, God, who are some other people who could speak into this as well? And uh, so today we have some special guests with us, Dave and Ashley Willis. And if you were with us at our EXO conference last fall, you heard some impactful teaching from them. And so we're so excited to have them here with us. They are, uh, they had the Naked podcast. My husband likes to say naked. I say naked it's naked, right? Naked, naked. Anyway, the neck, the naked pod, the naked marriage podcast. It's one of the. It is the top Christian marriage podcast here uh, in the states, and they have written several books. They um, get into the nitty gritty, all, talk about all things sex and marriage. And uh, we love them very much. We had an opportunity to just get to know them, and they become friends of ours. And so I am super excited because they are with us here today. They don't live too far away out in Augusta and uh, have four boys. So they're, they're parents of boys just like we are. And uh, we are so excited to have them here with us as friends of the house today. So Victory family, can you do me a favor? Can we welcome Dave and Ashley Willis to the stage? Thanks, Summer. We love you guys. Hello, you guys. We're so excited to be back with Victory today and in this Love Over Lust series. We're excited about it. I'm excited. I'm partly excited because I'm rested because we did not have to get children ready for church this morning. How many of you got a child ready for church this morning? Yeah, I can tell you are. You're exhausted. Your arms barely came up. That's us most Sundays. Yes. But we left them at home, and I forgot how relaxing that can be. I know. I know. We did bring a picture, though. We did. So here's a, a picture of our four boys. We got four boys yes. ranging from eight to 18. I know, it I happens know. fast. Their names are Cooper, Connor, Chandler, Chad. And one of our friends pointed out and said, it's the Cocos and the Cha-Chas. <laughs> and we did not mean to do that. We do trip over their names all the time, but we love them. And we have a, our oldest there with the shaggy hair, just turned 18 last weekend. So it's like crazy, like life is just on warp speed right now, and he is going to be a Georgia Bulldog in the fall, yes, so we are so excited, but also a little sad, it's like all the feels. Yes, lots going on, lots going on, we we love what we get to do though, we were part of a ministry, EXO Marriage, and uh, as Pastor Summer just said, how about a hand by the way for your amazing pastors, Pastor Johnson and Summer Bowie, they're the real deal, we love them so much. And uh, we're honored, truly honored to be back at Victory. And, and we, we love traveling to churches. We work with a ministry called Exo Marriage that just helps people re- rediscover the beautiful truth, biblical truth of what marriage is meant to be and, and helps restore families and marriages. We love it. Um, we, we host a podcast that was mentioned earlier, the Naked Marriage Podcast. Here's a picture of that. It's a free resource you guys can get wherever you get podcasts. And we love working together. It's fun. We, we've been married now, um, may it be 22 years. And in 22 years, We've learned a lot about each other. We have. I yes. mean, I've learned that she's better, literally, and most husbands would agree with this about their wives, she's just 
better at most things than, than, than I am. That's just kind of how God makes, she really is. She's, she's super talented, she keeps getting prettier, she keeps getting smarter, she does. He's just too much. She, oh but there is one thing that I'm better at, and this surprised me. I'm the more romantic one, all right? Yes. All right, this is true, and I brought proof, in case you don't believe me, I brought proof. So in my phone, Here's a screenshot of her contact in my phone. She's sweetie, and there's a heart, and there's like wind in her hair, and every time I call her, I'm like, Siri, call sweetie. It's like calling sweetie. And so one day I thought, I wonder what I am in her phone. I wonder what romantic name she has for me. I mean, it could be so many things. The Italian Stallion, or Man Candy, or, I mean, there's Big Poppy. There's so many things. And so one day I got her phone to look myself up. And I was surprised and frankly disappointed. I know. When I got to my contact in her phone, and I'm just gonna show these lovely people, Dave Willis. Dave Willis. That is me in her phone. It's Dave Willis. It's not even just Dave. Like I have to specify which Dave. Which is Dave Willis. You saw me naked like an hour ago. Why am I Dave Willis in your phone, right? So, I have my reasons. I'm more romantic. You are I, definitely more romantic. This like clearly hit a nerve. Like it, I, I felt so bad. But I, <laughs> you guys. You should. I know, I'm working on this. Okay, so here's what happened. We actually share the same Apple ID. We did this by accident and then we kept it because we liked it because it copied each other on everything, like all of our texts and everything. We'd remind each other. But it also, we share all the same contacts. Yeah. And so I would be like, hey Siri, call Dave and it would call one of the eight Daves that's friends with my Dave, okay? And so I was like, well, I need to be specific and just put Dave Willis, but I should have been more creative, like Italian Stallion. Yeah, how many Italian Stallions do you have in your phone, I mean, right? right. But you know what? Our kids, our kids use our phone, and I'm like, do I, they really wanna like, if you, if you need to call dad, just say, hey, Siri, call Italian Stallion. Let them know who their father is. Let them <laughs> know from true? a young age, so. I guess I, I really, I need to change it. <laughs> it's time. I feel It's convicted. time to update it, so. I feel convicted. All right, next time you see her, ask her if it's been updated. Yes. If you hold her accountable. All right, so we're gonna talk today about, about sex. Isn't that exciting? Talk about sex in Woo. church because God made it. It was his idea. It's a gift from God. The devil doesn't own it. He never has. It's always been God's, and we're gonna, we're gonna yes. reclaim it. You can yes. clap about it. My goodness. Yes, yes, Thank yes. you, Lord. He's made some great stuff, but I mean, that's, that's up there. Yeah. And, but when, when we get the wrong messages about sex, things can really go haywire, and our world is full of, of un, incorrect messages about sex. Open up with a quick story about how an incorrect message about sex can get you into trouble. So there was this, uh, this, this young Christian woman who was part of the singles group at her church, and all the single guys in this group wanted to go out with her. And so they would just slide into her DMs or send her a text message, and they would, they would always ask her, hey, let's grab some coffee afterwards, let's do this or that. And she wasn't interested in dating in this season of her life but she didn't wanna break the hearts of all of her Christian brothers here, so she found a way to let them down gently. She would always respond the same way. She'd say, oh, you're so sweet, and then she would put a scripture reference for them to look up. And in this reference they would look up, they would immediately open up their Bible app, like, what does that say? Because they were convinced it was like a secret love note for them, right? And then the reference was, you're so sweet, Proverbs 17, 17. And these eager young men would open it up and they would see this verse, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born for a time of need. Now, young single men, let me tell you, there are, there are two words that if a young lady uses to describe you, it probably means she's not interested. 
Those two words are found in this verse. Yes, they the are. first of those words is friend. You are such a great friend. Now, that doesn't mean there's no hope, but there's one word that means there's no hope. <laughs> brother, I love you like a brother. Now, where we grew up in Kentucky, she says she loves you like a cousin. It could go either way. Cousin. Like, it might be romantic, it might not. You gotta feel it out. But a brother, for sure, even in Kentucky, not happening. True. So, <laughs> I mean, it worked for us. We're second cousins. We're and it's, not related it's at no, all. No. He loves talking about She didn't Kentucky even have to cousins. change her last name when we got married. It, was, it worked out. No, we're not related, we don't no, think. But we're not. So <laughs> there was this one guy in this group that he was really persistent, and she's like, it's time for me to send him the code. And so she texted him back, but she texted in a hurry. If you text in a hurry, you can send an unintended message. And she left one number off of that verse. So this eager young man didn't get Proverbs 17, 17, but 717 that says, I perfumed my bed. Come, let's drink our fill of love till morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Guys, there's some steamy stuff there in the Bible. Is. You gotta be careful where you're sending people. That was yes. an unintended message about sex. And I think sometimes in our own lives, we're taking in these unintended and oftentimes even incorrect messages about sex through, through entertainment, through sometimes even the homes we grew up in, and, and we're, we're, we're having those in our lives, and it can create a lot of baggage. And we're gonna talk about this today, that, that we've all got some sexual baggage. You, you could be a virgin, and you have some sexual baggage because of the mindsets that you have, the expectations, the insecurities, the false messages. And then when you add to that, sexual sin, the decisions we've made, or, or sexual trauma from, from horrific things that were done potentially to us, and all of that together creates this baggage, and we like, what do we do with that? And if we're not careful, it can sabotage our peace and our marriages, but thankfully, God has a plan for how to restore peace and have freedom and get rid of this baggage. Yes, he does, and I think the first part of really understanding God's plan for sex is realizing that God created sex. Like, I think so many times, even as Christians, we forget that, because there's this narrative that the enemy has just spread all across our culture, saying that like it somehow belongs to Satan, right? And it belongs to the world, and one of the primary messages is like, well, sex is just, it's for you, do what you want with it, as long as you're not hurting anybody, it's okay, do whatever you want. I mean, that's the message. And that's why we see rampant things like pornography. We see all kind of, of sexual behaviors that are really hurting people really hurting people and making them have so much shame and lots of baggage. And so we had to go back to the source and remember that sex is a gift from God. It is a gift from God that is meant to be within the covenant of marriage and meant to be enjoyed by both the husband and the wife. It is something that comes with great weight. And so that's why we need to learn about it. I'm so glad you all are part of a church that talks about these things that talks about the beautiful gift of sex that God created so that we can reclaim it as the gift that it's meant to be. And this is the point we wanna make. Sex within marriage is a beautiful gift from God, but sex outside of marriage is a dangerous trap from the enemy. And he wants to get us trapped, y'all. He wants to get us trapped up, and then he messes, like we might mess up ourselves, but then he wants to convince us within our mind, he wants to plague us with negative thoughts, he wants to convince us that we need to stay in that prison that we may have created for ourselves. He wants to convince us that we can never truly be forgiven of sexual sin, or maybe even get free from sexual trauma that was the sin of somebody else, that we've gotta keep on carrying that shame. And we're gonna unpack this through this talk because I think one of the greatest things that I hope you guys walk away with is that there is such freedom in Christ. 
and we can be completely free from any sexual sin we may have committed, but also from any shame we've been holding on to, and from, from things that maybe other people have done to us, or just regrets we have, hangups we have, insecurities, and, and God wants us to embrace that freedom. But first, we gotta go to the source. We gotta go back to the Bible. Like, What does it say about sex? Well, it actually has a lot to say. We're gonna start with Mark 10, six through nine. It says this. God made them male and female from the beginning of creation, talking about Adam and Eve. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And we know that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, right? I love that picture because they had no secrets they were completely naked physically, but they were also naked spiritually, mentally, and, and emotionally. And it, it's this picture of Adam and Eve and God just having this nakedness with no shame. And that's how God created marriage. But we know that sin enters the picture, and they start to doubt God, and they think he's holding out something on them, and they, that they can't totally trust God. And that's where we see them wanting to cover up themselves, not only from God, but from each other. And I think we live in that reality. A lot of married couples live in that reality today. And they don't feel like they can have the naked marriage. That's why we call our podcast and our book The Naked Marriage. They don't feel like they can have that. But God says we can because that's how he created it. But that means we have to do it with his help. And we can't get ensnared by all these things the enemy is throwing our way. And there's a lot of verses about what can get us in trouble. Here's some in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. It says this. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, dang, right? Like, it's like, okay. Like, it's a lot, right? So, I mean, we need to listen to this. What I see in all of these words that Jesus himself is sharing, okay, from Jesus, is sex is important, and sex comes with weight, and we, we have boundaries around it on purpose. And it's not to cut us off from something that's more fun, which is what the enemy would like us to believe. It's because sex was designed for marriage, and it's supposed to be within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman. And it's supposed to be something that helps the marriage to flourish. You know, I, I wanna paint the picture like this, and some of you may have maybe learned about this image through school. Maybe if you went to like a Christian school, they may have taught it this way. It, imagine that like marriage is a fireplace. Everybody loves a fireplace. And when you put a fire in a fireplace and it's, it's really burning bright, it, it's something to be enjoyed. And imagine that that fireplace is marriage, that fire inside that fireplace is sex. You wanna keep that fire burning bright, if you know what I mean. You wanna make sure you're tending to that fire. You don't wanna let it die out. You wanna keep it burning strong. But what happens when a fire goes outside of a fireplace? You get burned, right? It causes destruction. And then you see the aftermath of things crumbling. Well, God wants us to realize that sex is that fire that is meant to burn in the fireplace of marriage. And when we understand it that way, and we understand those boundaries are not there to keep us from something that's more fun, but they're there for us to flourish, then we, then we know that we can actually enjoy sex in the way that God intended. 
And it is meant to be enjoyed. It is meant for procreation, but it's also meant for the enjoyment of a husband and wife. Yeah, it, and God has a beautiful plan, but it's also important to know that, that the enemy has a plan for your sex life too. Yes. And the enemy's plan for your sex life is, is kind of multi-pronged. One aspect of it is he doesn't want you to see other people as souls to be cherished, priceless souls created in the image of God. He wants you to see other people as bodies to be used, objects to be used. He wants you to dehumanize others and yourself in the process. And he does this through desensitizing us. He does this through the entertainment industry. He does this through one of the most those prevalent forms of counterfeit love in the world, which is pornography. And in our work that we do with married couples, um, we, we hear every single day from people who are, who are caught up in pornography or the spouse of someone who's caught up in pornography. And we know because of the statistics that it is rampant, it is, it is so prevalent. It's, it's coming after our kids right now. 10 years old is the average age of first exposure to porn. And it's not because the kids are looking for porn, it's because porn is looking for them. And we've gotta, we've gotta protect our kids and just understand this broken, twisted world they're growing up in and that they're being educated about sex with, the, with the broken messages. And that's why the church and the family has to be the safest place on earth to say, listen, I wanna be the safest place for you to ask any question and here's what God's word says about it. Because I was one of those kids that fell into the broken messages. I was one of those teenagers that fell into pornography and it, it wrecked my mind. I mean, those images planted in my brain and just dug in their roots, and it created just a, a toxic cycle. And it, I started seeing myself in a different way. I started seeing other people in a different way. It was, it was dehumanizing. And, and after a while, I was so desensitized to it, I, I hated myself for doing it, but it's like I didn't know how to escape the cycle of it, like, like an addiction. And I'm so thankful now to be many years free of it, but it was a messy process. I brought that secret into our marriage. I brought this big secret piece of baggage into our marriage that I'd been carrying around and trying to hide, but this baggage kept getting bigger and bigger as I would deal with it on my own because I wasn't dealing with sin the way that God says to deal with sin, which is to confess it, to bring it out into the open, to, to put accountability in place, to, to lean on each other so we could carry each other's burdens. I did it the way that Satan tells you to deal with sin, which is to keep it a secret. It's nobody's business. Deal with it on your own. That's his game is to isolate you. God's plan is to bring you into relationship where you can find healing, relationship with him, relationship with, with loved ones. And I wasn't doing that because I was ashamed and this baggage kept growing bigger until one day she found it. She found what I'd been looking at, this huge secret suitcase, so to speak, of baggage, you know, that through our, our computer she found where I had been and it came out into the open and, and it, even though now I had wounded her and broken her trust and made her feel insecure as if somehow this was, was somehow her fault when it had nothing to do with her. She's the most beautiful, wonderful person I know, but I was wrapped up in this toxic cycle of sin and addiction and just felt stuck. And in grace, even though she was wounded, she chose to walk with me through that process of healing. And I'm so thankful that she did. I, I'm so thankful. It's, you're the hero of the story, you and Jesus. And I'm thrilled to say that, that I've been many, many years free from that. And yeah, thank you. God is good. And it's, I say that to, not because it's comfortable talking about porn. There are more comfortable topics to talk about. But this is real. Like this is where a lot of, a lot of you are right now, okay? Like I'm not talking like this is your past testimony. I mean like this is what you were looking at last night before waking up and coming to church today. A lot of people, 
men and women. And I don't say that to bring shame because shame isn't God's business. Now, shame is that voice from the enemy that says, you're worthless, you're a sinner, like there's something wrong with you, you're never gonna measure up. Or it'll desensitize you to the point where you think that sin isn't even sin anymore. This doesn't matter, this is no big deal. But conviction is what God does. Conviction is different than shame. Conviction is that little sting you feel in your conscience to let you know this isn't good for me. God has something better for me. God doesn't want me to keep adding to my baggage. He wants me to walk in freedom and I need to do some things differently to get freedom. I need to get some accountability. I need to get some software on my devices. I need to block this stuff. I need, I need to do something differently. And he will lead you to that place of, of healing, but you gotta get real about it. And maybe for some of you, the reason God brought you to church today or brought you to watch this online right now wherever you are is because this is your issue. This is the thing that's holding you back in your faith, in your relationships, in, in, in just your life. And it's, it's time to get rid of it. There's no place for it in your life. God's created you for something more. That's right. He doesn't want you to be a slave to pornography, Right? And that's really what you become. And it is, it's so pervasive in our world. It's so pervasive. And we talk about it every chance we get because we've lived it. Like we know what this is like and we know the shame that so many people live with. You know, whenever we talk about this, I always have women whose husbands have struggled with porn. They come up to me and they're like, how did you ever look at Dave the same again? Like, how did you guys ever, how were you ever intimate with him again? They ask me that all the time. They're like, weren't you just disgusted? Weren't you angry? Weren't you sad? Weren't you just feeling all these emotions? And I always say, well, yes, of course. I mean, when I found that, I was not even looking for it, okay? I wasn't looking for it. I was trying to like do some schoolwork on our clunky computer in our dingy basement. And I went to like the search bar and this came up. And honestly, my first thought was like, what creeper broke into our house went to our dingy basement on our own old clunky computer and looked up porn. Like, that's really what I'm thinking, okay? And it was like the Holy Spirit in that moment just opened my eyes, okay? Because sometimes, I mean, he'll open your eyes to some painful stuff because the truth has got to come out into the light. And so I didn't love it. I didn't love finding this, but I had known something was up between us. I couldn't put my finger on it. As married people, the married folks in the room know this. You, you can know something's not quite right, but I just can't put my finger on it. And my prayers had been, Lord, help me to just find out what's going on. I don't know what it is. Is it something with me? Is it something with Dave? Like, what is this? And in that moment, he opened my eyes. And it was like, Ashley, this is what's been going on. And in that moment of anger, of disgust, of sadness, of shock, I knew I had to hear from my husband. I needed to hear him admit to this. So I called him at work. I gathered up my, you know, my courage to do it because I was very upset and I called him at work and he answered and I just said, hey, do you have something you need to tell me? That's literally all I could say. And immediately he said he knew what I was talking about. And he said, you know, it was like the worst day and the best day all at once. It was the worst because he hated how it hurt me. He hated that I had to see that. But it was the best day because finally, finally, all the baggage he'd been carrying by himself, thinking that he had to punish himself by carrying it, finally got brought to the light. And that's where God can heal us. You see, Satan says, keep it. Your wife will never forgive you. She can't handle this. But God says, no, you're a married couple. There should be no secrets. She needs to know about it. Even as hard as it is, that's how you move forward. And those days and months, of getting the healing, of getting you know filtering software in all of our devices, of him joining like support type groups to help get through this, getting accountability in place. He had several relapses, it's very common, just like getting out of any addiction. And we had a lot of really awkward conversations, but little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, 
he was able to be free from this. And there were times I wanted to feel like, how could he do this to me? How could he do this to me? I mean, I've not done anything like this to him. And I'd get on my high horse and be all holier than thou, and then the Holy Spirit would be, like hit me on the head and be like, Ashley, maybe porn's not your issue, but you're not perfect. You need Jesus every single day, every single day. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I need him every single day. And we, we have to remember, whether or not it's pornography, any kind of issue your spouse brings to you, it's not just his issue or her issue, it's always our issue. And we have to remember that we're in this together. There will be boundaries that need to be put in place. You know, trust has to be earned. Forgiveness is given because God first forgave us and then trust has to be earned. And Dave did that. Little by little, by consistent actions, he re-earned my trust. And I'm so grateful that we walked through that in the sense of knowing, just seeing God work and having, having that grit that you learn by going through hardship I don't wanna go through it again, but I will tell you that when you go through these kind of things and you really bear it all and you can be naked and unashamed, like it says in Genesis 2, God does something amazing for a married couple and he gets us through it. And then, you know, in this world we will have trouble. Jesus himself said that. We know that the next time something happens, okay, we can get through that too with God's help. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for a God of grace and a wife of grace, and we, great, every marriage needs grace, every person needs grace, and I'm so thankful that Jesus makes that possible. But we don't wanna just talk about kind of the, some of the negative messages around sex, the baggage-causing things. We wanna also talk about the gift of sex and all the ways that God wants you to, to say yes and enjoy it. So here's a principle. Within marriage, sex should be both a gift and a priority for both spouses, means for both spouses, they should enjoy it. For both spouses, they should pursue it. For both spouses, they should prioritize it. I love the book Song of Solomon in the Bible. It's, it's a man and a woman, a husband and wife, going back and forth in just this, this very erotic, really, love poetry, celebrating this gift of marital sex. And one verse says this, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. That's hot. It's pretty hot. It's Ooh. like a Barry White lyric. I it like is, it, it is. <laughs> I'm gonna use that. <laughs> I like this, 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. It's just very basic and practical. But this is not one-sided. I think somewhere along the line, even in churches, there was this really false, untrue, and, and toxic message being taught that, that sex is like a gift for men and a duty for women. And that's messed up. That is not biblical, that's not practical, that's not even biological. Ladies, when God designed you, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to explain it too, in too much anatomical correctness. Yes. But <laughs> this is true, you can look this up. God gave women more pleasure sensors, more nerves, more receptacles to experience heightened pleasure than he did to men. Ladies, he made you yes. to be able to enjoy it even more. So if, guys, if, you, if you'll take your time and make sure that it's equally fulfilling for her. You'll both enjoy I it. I kind of ran out He's of words speechless. there. I, I got going. He's speechless. Yeah. <laughs> and I have all these very specific things in my head to say. <laughs> and then I thought. You went off somewhere. Come yeah, back to me. Check out the podcast. <laughs> I invite you to listen to the Naked Marriage podcast for the, the rest of that thought. <laughs> 
But ladies, it's a gift. You're meant to enjoy it. It's, it's yes. not a, it's never should be a duty. It's a gift and a privilege, but also a way to serve one another. It and is. it requires both spouses prioritizing that. And let me just say one way to prioritize it, I'll share an unpopular opinion, but put it on your calendar, okay? Yes, and hey. some of you are real quiet. Yeah, real amen. quiet all of a sudden. Like, I look stuff. forward to Tuesdays, guys, let me just Tuesdays. tell you. Every week, I'm like, oh, all right. Look what day it is. Now, you can be spontaneous too, but, right. but if you've got at least something that's, that's... We're gonna keep this regular. Yeah, We're gonna, then it, you know, yes. it just kinda, it just makes the week so much better. It does. Yeah. It does, and you know, stuff gets done that you put on your calendar, right? You prioritize what's on your calendar, so I don't see why not just put, put a little, like, little fire mark or something. Yeah. On the calendar, and the frequency is going to be different based on every married couple. We don't have that special answer. We get asked that question all the time, but you guys can talk about it. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's it's revolutionary. What's the just right try it. Number of frequency. I just take. I say take whatever number you're thinking and double it. And. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. Okay. But how do we watch ourselves from the dangerous messages of the world? Because guys, like as you've seen, it isn't just porn. Like everywhere you turn, there's broken messages about sex. Yeah. It's on Netflix, it's on YouTube, it's in magazines, it's, it's, I mean, even in schools, you know, I mean, wherever we go, it's, it's the chatter on school buses, it's, it's, at the, it's at the locker rooms, it's around the water cooler at work. I mean, there's just broken messages about sex. And here's the principle. God is call, calling us to uphold his timeless values about sex in a world that's rapidly abandoning them. Say, so, I man, that's outdated, that's... That's wrong, that's closed-minded. It's like, no, I mean, God's the one who created this. He's the one who loves us. His plan for us is still the best. I love this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know, then you'll be able to learn what God's will for you is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. God's will for your life is good and pleasing and perfect. It's better than any plan you have for yourself. But to get there, you have to let him change the way you think. You, let, you gotta let him renew your mind, cleanse your mind of all of the junk you put in there because I, I put a bunch of junk in my mind. And every day, you gotta come back to scripture and say, Lord, just reteach me how to think. Reteach me how to go into this broken world and to be an ambassador of your love and your light and your grace. And he will, he'll work through us. He only works through imperfect people like us. And he wants to. He, he's inviting you to be a son or a daughter in his family and then to go out in this world on mission to share the love of Jesus with the world who needs it. And you gotta know when you go there that it's gonna seem foreign to them because the messages they've been taught and that even we've been taught about everything, including love and sex, it's different than what the Bible says. And it starts early, guys. Like We are raised to have some really broken ideas about marriage and sex. We're, we're raised to think it's, it's always supposed to be easy, that it's like, you're, you meet the right person, it's never gonna be a struggle. It's gonna be like a fairy tale, and if it gets hard, you must have married the wrong person, and you, you're gonna have to let them go. Like, that's not practical. But from early on, from the Disney fairy tales on up, man, that's what we're learning, right? Yeah. And there's some weird stuff in the Disney love stories. You ever really just kinda watch those? You ever seen Sleeping Beauty? Dude's making out with a girl in a coma? That's not even legal. It's messed up. Like, there's some weird up. stuff. <laughs> creepy stuff, and then, you get older and, it, and, it's, uh, and, and we adults, like all of our, our thing now, it's like you see, all these people watch Hallmark Christmas movies. You guys into this? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a Hallmark movie. You know you yeah, love Hallmark. Yeah, you have. You know you have. Well, you know. they're all the same. It's the same three actresses and the same three actors <laughs> with the same one plot 
over and over again. And if you've never seen a Hallmark movie, I'm gonna tell you the plot of every single one right now. So you never have to watch one again, okay? Because it's the same story. Here's how it goes. It always starts with a young woman. Her name's usually Madison. And Madison is working in a big city, but she's really a small town girl. Now, she's engaged to this rich, good-looking guy, but he's kind of a jerk, but they're planning a big wedding when all of a sudden Madison's mom calls and she has to go back to her quaint little snow-covered hometown for some reason. Madison gets there and she's so frustrated that she has to be there. So she gets into an argument with her mom and then she stomps off into the woods where there she sees him with the snow gently falling on his shoulders. It's a sexy lumberjack. There's a, why is there a sexy lumberjack in the woods? And she gets a little closer. Wait, that's Chad from high school. Chad. It's Chad. How did you get so hot? You were so nerdy in high school. It's like, well, I've been working out. And then they go and get coffee. And all of a sudden, she starts having feelings for Chad. But wait a second, what about her big city boyfriend? She doesn't want to marry a poor lumberjack and move back home. But the heart wants what it wants. So she calls and breaks up with that big city jerk. And Chad gets down on one knee. And he pulls out the biggest diamond she's ever seen. And she's like, Chad, how did you afford that? You're just a lumberjack. And he said, that's just my hobby. I own a multi-million dollar scented candle company. And then they kiss. The end. Everyone, that's, that's it. Right. There you go. You're welcome. So that's Hallmark. And you watch that and you think, well, that's how it's supposed to go. But here's the deal. There's never a sequel to a Hallmark love story, ever. You know why? Because in the sequel, Chad has a gut. He's bald now. He's blown his knee out in a lumberjack accident. His scented candle company's gone bankrupt. And, you know, now he's at home playing scratch-off tickets all day. And now Madison, she's arguing with her mom all the time. And the snow's melted from their hometown. And it looks like a dump. And... You know, it, it's just real life, guys. It's like real life is gonna have some struggles. It's not always gonna be picture perfect. It's not supposed to be. But if you'll work through those struggles together, life, your marriage is gonna be something so much greater than anything Hollywood could ever write. Yes. Because you're gonna have endured hardship, real hardship together, and known the strength and intimacy that comes on the other side when you've walked through that fire with somebody. Trust in Jesus every step of the way. But you, you gotta just commit that we're, we're gonna do this together. I will say, though, that Ashley... She is a little bit into the Hallmark stuff to the point where she went through this whole like, you know, lumberjack phase at a point that what? made me uncomfortable. Oh my goodness. Because I would walk through the grocery store and she would make me pretend I was the brawny paper towel guy. I actually brought a, a picture. Do we? So, I don't know, like. You have the chin, sweetie, you have the chin. I love it. I don't call him a lumberjack, he's my lumber Dave, okay? So <laughs> Why don't you put that in your phone? That's better than- Lumber Dave. Dave Willis. That's it. I'm gonna change it, Anything's better than it. Dave Willis. That's right. No, I love it. Yeah, so we, we, we are affected kind of culturally by these things that we're watching. And, and you know, and a lot of these shows aren't really, they're not really holding sex up to be something that requires commitment, the commitment of a marriage, right? Yeah. But I think that on the other extreme, there's some groups that like wanna take sex out of the equation altogether. And actually, we know about this group. We grew up in Kentucky, and really near where we grew up, there's a town called Harrodsburg, Kentucky, and this group called the Shakers, which that may ring a bell because you probably have shaker cabinets in your kitchen. You've probably heard that term because they make great furniture. But really what's more interesting about the Shakers is kind of their beliefs. So the Shakers, people who wanted to join kind of the Shaker movement would join 
um, and abandon their families, essentially. Their families might come with them, but they would abandon the, that, that marital relationship or the parental relationship. And suddenly, as a shaker, they would all just be brothers and sisters in Christ. So all the women would live together, all the men would live together, and the boys and the girls, you know. And they would all kind of live in these separate quarters and work in these separate quarters. They would all come together to worship. And there's actually a picture right here. They would come together to worship, but they would have to be kept separate in, in every way because they believed that sex was not a good thing. And so they didn't marry or procreate. And so what do you think happened? They died out, okay? They literally died out. And for those, you know, who kind of made it to the end of their life as a shaker, you know, there probably weren't many of them because a lot of other people just left because they were like, I don't know if I can live this life. Like, I can never marry, and then I can never have intimacy. And so, you know, they were known as shakers because supposedly when they worshiped, they would shake violently. But Dave thinks it had more to do with the sexual frustration. I know why they were shaking. It was right. sexual frustration. Like, just, uh, they were just yeah. sexually frustrated. Yeah. I mean, they... They had a lot right. I mean, they were an open community that believed in, in Jesus and said, all are welcome. You could be young, old, rich, poor, black, white. I mean, wherever you came from, it's like, yeah, we're, we're one family. And that's, that part's biblical. Sure. But you can't take some parts of the Bible and then cut off the rest. You can't say, right. well, I know God made sex as a gift, but we're just gonna ignore that part of the Bible because it can be so dangerous. We're just gonna say no to marriage, even if you're already married, no to sex. And some people have been raised in Christian traditions where it's maybe not that explicit, but you would given that message that somehow sex is dirty or bad and like, yeah, maybe it's necessary to have children, but then you shouldn't enjoy it, you shouldn't do it, and, and we're, we're working through that baggage. Some of our baggage comes not from a, a past church, but just from the family we grew up in because all of us had some kind of family culture, whether you came from a single parent home or, or you know, remarriage, blended family, whatever your family unit was, you're looking at the adults in that family and you're learning as a kid what relationships, what romance they're supposed to look like. And what becomes normal to us is just what we see around us, whether it's healthy or not. Oh, yeah. And then when you bring two people together who have different family backgrounds, you gotta work through that. Ashley and I came from very different family backgrounds, like very different as, as it relates to this. So what, what's your family like? Definitely. Oh, you know, sweetie, 22 years together. So like, okay. I, okay, my family, I love, my parents have been married almost 43 years. I'm so grateful. I know it's awesome. Yes, I it love it. Awesome. And it's such a gift. Like, it's such a gift to me and my sister. And they're amazing people. But just to kind of give you a, a little lens into our home life, sex was never talked about. In fact, I think my, my parents, kind of in an effort to help keep my sister and I chaste, you know, and to not have sex before marriage, they didn't want to talk about it. Like, they would shut it down. Like, I remember coming home in middle school where I'd heard some kind of term that I guess was like a sexual term or something, and I asked my mom, what is this? You know, I heard kids talking about this, and she like shut it down as fast as she could and was like, don't you ever speak that again. We don't talk about that, and the people that do them, like they're doomed basically, so it's like sex is the thing we don't speak of. Heaven forbid you ever do it. And then it would be like, but if you get married, then you can do it, you know, like flip the switch, you know? And I, and I think a lot of us came from that background, maybe some churches that were kind of steeped in purity culture where the intent was good, the intent yeah, was good a good intent. intent. But kind of the, the means by which they would, they would say, you know, they would teach about sex, it would really put so much shame on it. And so if people kind of didn't uphold those standards, then all of a sudden they're carrying around this shame. And so, you know, in my house, it was. It was like sex, was, there was not a lot of conversation, not a lot of affection. Um, I, I've barely seen them kiss. They just weren't like a real outwardly affectionate couple. And then I meet Dave's family. Right, and they're different. So... My parents are a couple of freaks, like still. <laughs> and my dad has two bad knees and he's still wobbling around chasing after my mom. And 
So when I grew up, it was like 50 shades of middle age. They were just <laughs> very affectionate. I thought that was normal. I'm like, well, I guess everybody's parents make out. I, that's not weird. And then I'm around Ashley's parents, who I still haven't seen touch. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, this is gonna be different for Ashley. So when I'm preparing my parents to meet her, and I'm like, guys, listen, I really am crazy about this girl. I think I wanna marry her. Please don't do anything weird, please. Until at least, let me seal the deal. Let me get married, then you guys, you can be as weird as you want, but just right now, tame it. And my mom, she's so sweet. This is how she talks. She's like, David, honey, we would never do anything to embarrass you, sweetie. And I'm like, mom, you, but you have in the past, so just be cool. So, so we go, first time they're meeting Ashley, we go to church, which was great. Then after church, we go to lunch. And my mom is, is just real like, oh my goodness, you're so pretty. Let's sit down and talk. And they sit down. And then my mom grabs her hip and she goes, oh, oh, my bottom is sore. What? What a horrible yes. thing to say. And then she says, you're probably wondering why my bottom is sore. And I'm thinking, no, no I never want to hear the word bottom ever again from you. But I couldn't get any words to come out because I was so horrified. And maybe on a weird level, I was just a little bit curious. I, I, just what was this story going to be? And so she launches into this story. She's like, well, here's what happened. This morning, we were getting ready for church. And David's father, he's so silly. You're naughty, Brad. You're naughty. <laughs> he, and he, she used this word, this terrible word. He was tantalizing, tantalizing me. What could that mean? Oh, what horrible thing could that mean? Well, that wasn't even the story, though. She kept on. And she said, and then I get out of the shower, and I'm, I'm getting ready to dry off. And David's father jumps out to scare me. And then he starts chasing me around the room trying to spank me with my curling iron. And I'm like, it's hot, it's hot. And he thought, I mean, it's hot like it's exciting. But I mean, it's hot like I'd had it plugged in for church. And he, he spanked me with it and it's hurt me all morning. And I'm, so what are you gonna have for lunch? Yeah. And then it was just like, nothing happened. It was so crazy. And I'm just like, it's, it's done. Ashley's eyes are this big. And I'm thinking, she's never gonna go out with me again. So it was culture shock. So we go into marriage with vastly different expectations. Like, you know, she's, she's scared of the honeymoon. I'd brought like handcuffs, whipped cream, and curling iron. I didn't know what I was gonna need. I just wanted to be ready. And we just had very different expectations. Yes. And so yes. for 22 years, we've been learning to kind of merge those different expectations. Yes, we have. And it's a journey, it's a process, guys. It's a process, and you gotta laugh, you gotta keep your sense of humor in marriage. With, you, with age, with bodies changing, with different challenges, it's gonna look different in different seasons, but you can never lose the love, the respect, the foundation, the laughter at the core of the marriage. Yes. Guys, that's what, it's, that's what intimacy right. is all about. And moving in to the end, guys, we wanna come back to this issue of what to do with our baggage. And here's the last principle. Sexual sin brings baggage, we've covered that, but Jesus brings healing and forgiveness. He wants yes. you to have freedom. Whether you're single, you're married, divorced, whatever your relationship status is, first and foremost, your soul isn't defined by the relationship status line on your social media. It's defined by the fact that Jesus loves you and has given his life for you and has adopted you into his family, and he makes you whole and complete, right. no matter where you are. But for all of us, married and single, we've got this baggage, and what do we, what do, we do with it? Exactly, you know, the Apostle Paul has a lot of verses where he talks specifically about how sexual sin has a tendency to stick with us. And I think some have misunderstood that as if sexual sin was just the absolute worst kind of sin. But really, what, if you really look at what he's saying, he's saying, listen, 
hold sex on a, to a high standard because when we get it wrong, it just sticks with us so much. And the enemy messes with us in this area so much. Because I think that what happens is you see all this baggage right here and imagine that this is just different sexual sin we have, but also not just sin, also just kind of shame that's been brought onto us for various reasons, insecurities, things that people have done to us that were maybe their sin but not our own, but we've taken on that shame, maybe misconceptions, there's just all kinds of things that we're dealing with. And when it comes to those things that have to do with sex, we tend to just hold it. We hold on to it. And we might go to the cross, like if we have the cross on the screen, we might take it to the cross and we'll say our prayers. And if it's sin, we'll say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to walk that narrow path. Help me to get it right next time. Help me to look for the right people to engage with. Help me to just understand sex the way that you see it. And we, you know, we'll put down the baggage for a minute but then what we tend to do when it comes to sexual sin or even that shame that we're holding on to is we say those prayers, but then we leave without leaving it there and we pick it right back up and we go around half-hearted with this weight that we're carrying that nobody can see, but we feel every day of our life. And it's heavy. Whether you're single or married, it's heavy, you guys. And what God wants us to do instead of carrying this around is he wants us to take it to him say those prayers, walk that path with his help, but he wants us to leave them there. We're not supposed to pick it back up. You see, because when we pick back up the baggage and we keep on carrying it with us, even after we've taken it to the cross, we keep on carrying it with us. We're in essence saying, Jesus, forgive me. Thank you for the cross. But you know what? I'm gonna have to hold on to this because what you did on that cross just wasn't enough for me and these sins that I have or these heavy loads that I'm carrying. That's what we're saying in essence. And God wants us to have freedom. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we could have that freedom. And it is more than enough for anything we have done or could do. But we have to be willing to fully surrender it to him and then leave it there, turn around, repent, right? If it's a sin issue, repent. If it's a shame thing that you've been dealing with, leave it there and then walk away saying, I know God is greater than anything I have faced in this life and I will face in this life and I'm gonna hold my head high and know that he is healing me. He is restoring me. He has plans to prosper me and not to harm me. He has a hope and a future for me, and I claim that as his child, his beloved child. I'm not gonna hold on to this anymore. I've carried this load for too long. I wanna be free. And God wants you to pray that kind of prayer today. He wants you to leave this room, not downtrodden, not feeling like you're less than, but knowing you're his child. Hold your head high and know that he is with you and he is for you. And whatever it is you're going through, he's gonna use it for your good and his glory. And it, we're all works in progress. He's not looking for perfection here. But we are works in progress. And even in this area of sex, he is going to restore and renew our minds, right? He is going to continue his work as making us the new creations that we are in Christ. And we can have that freedom, that amazing freedom to walk in the path he has before us. Man, that's, that's the best news. I wanna give you one more verse. You've got the last word before we pray for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation. The old life is gone. The old baggage is gone. A new life has begun. Let's pray for you. Father, I thank you that because of what you did on the cross, we can be made new. 
that you take our baggage, you say we can cast all our cares, all our anxieties, all our baggage onto you because God, you, you care for us and you're the one who's strong enough to take it and you've paid the price for it. Help us walk in the reality of that. Help us walk in your grace as sons and as daughters. That's our identity, that's who we are, that's who you say we are. So Lord, for those of us carrying heavy baggage, let us leave it at the cross today and not pick it back up. Let us move forward, God. For those marriages that are struggling, bring hope and healing today. The struggles they're facing didn't happen overnight and the healing probably won't happen overnight, but let today be a turning point where they start going in a healthy new direction, reminding them that you're gonna be with them every step of the way. For those who are in a season of singleness waiting for that person, God, help them wait knowing, God, that this isn't wasted time. You're doing something in and through their life in this season and bless them as, as they're in this season. And I pray your blessing on every person here on this incredible church. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen.